Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky. I'm joined by my co-host, Corey DLG and producer Nico. And we are getting ready for a big, big game. Deshaun Watson comes back to Houston. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Houston Texans. This is going to be a game with a lot of subplots, a lot of things behind the scenes playing into this game, a lot of emotions definitely in that stadium for the game. We're going to get to all of that. But before we do, there's a little situation on the side of the quarterback position that we've got to suss out here, Corey. My big question for you, do they go back to Kyle Allen again this week, or do they resign themselves to whatever they get with Davis Mills? Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I honestly don't know. Now, you and I, we, I, I feel like we were pretty fair and pretty honest in our assessment of Kyle Allen. We didn't we didn't expect a lot different from him. We didn't really think that there was going to be a major upgrade at the position putting him out there. Um, you know, the conversation coming into the week was, oh, he's the more experienced quarterback. Davis Mills is underperforming, so we need to bench him and just try something else. So there was kind of um, a universal nod of the head, slide of the hand kind of thing where they were saying like, yes, Davis Mills has been playing badly, so we need to try something else. But Kyle Allen is not much better. Uh, and obviously, what we saw last week wasn't much better. Another first half with, I mean, dreadful numbers. I think this time it was 70, 80 total yards. At least it wasn't five, I guess, for the first half. Um, but it wasn't. The bars that they are reaching for are not the highest. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't impressive by any stretch or measurement. Uh, but we didn't think it was going to be. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. They've kind of. We didn't really touch on this last week because I guess we didn't realize how bad it could be. But now seeing it, actually, they're sort of in a damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because what did they see differently out of Kyle Allen that they didn't see out of Davis Mills that got him benched? Right? So how do they talk themselves into doing it again? But also, what's the point of switching it up again? Yeah, you got to kind of decide now. Now that you have put out there that there is, I guess, a standard. It's a very strange position because for a team that really had no expectations and should have expected to lose a lot, whether they want to admit that in the locker room or not, the franchise should have expected to lose a lot. Now they have clearly put out, hey, by the way, we're expecting a standard, even if we're going to be bad out of our offense and out of our quarterback, that Davis Mills just didn't meet. And so now if you leave Kyle Allen, did he really surpass this, I guess, now standard that they have uh, in a performance where for that first half when the starters were playing for Miami, they were really outclassed, the Texans, the entire game. Or do you go back to Mills 
and now it seems kind of like you don't know what you're doing as far as, or at least you don't believe in your own decision making going forward. It's you're right. It's a very strange position they've put themselves in, which is why I think both of us were on pretty, pretty much immediately the just leave Mills in. Why are you? Th- these guys are not going to be able to accomplish anything but the same. Yeah, and and realistically, some of the reporting that came out of it, it makes me kind of. I really think that this was a, a just a dead-on direct result of media pressure because Lovey Smith apparently this whole well, last last week coming into the first Kyle Allen start they split snaps all week so nobody told Kyle Allen for sure that he was the starter and Davis Mills was still getting first team reps which tells me at the very least the coaching staff hadn't made any decision yet. So even if the front office and Nick Casario had said, hey, let's go ahead and just send Kyle Allen out there. Lovey Smith as a head coach apparently hadn't made that decision. So there was, it was a little strange hearing that during the game. They talked about it during the game. Uh, the, the announcers said that when they talked to Kyle Allen, even on Friday, he was still splitting reps with Davis Mills with the first team, which is a weird thing to do if someone's the starter. They should be getting all the reps. Um, so I, I don't know. There's just a lot of uncertainty around sort of the decision-making right now, and I think it's because they knew this was going to be a bad season, but I don't think they recognized the level of pressure that they were going to go through this season. And I think the media, and in a lot of ways, you know, I hate when people say the media, the media, the media. I hate that, but the reality is the Houston Chronicle doesn't want to write, you know, 20 stories about people losing the blogs and everyone else. They want to, they want to see winning. I mean, in the, in the, you know, in the discord servers, even amongst our group, we're hearing, you know, the, the, the battle red blog guys are, are, are asking why we're okay with losing. Why is this okay? When are we firing the coach? What are we doing? This kind of stuff. There are people within our own media group saying these things. And so there is a lot of pressure from the quote unquote media, uh, when you lose. And so this much losing and this much poor football, well, honestly, we expected it, isn't easy to get through. And I think the pressure is starting to get to at least the front office of the Texans. Well, that, that pressure cooker of trying to rebuild your franchise basically from from the foundation again and kind of restart everything. I mean, it's tough. It's a little, it makes me think a little like working out, right? Where it's, it's all great when you're putting together a workout plan, when you're going to the grocery store and picking out the new food you want to be eating and you're going to, uh, you're going to the outlet and you're picking out the new workout clothes that you want to work out in. But then on day 12, when you've been running every single day and you've been going on the bike and all of your muscles hurt, and you've been waking up early and you're tired and you're a little dehydrated. All of a sudden, it seems like maybe some people should lose their jobs. <laughs> and I feel like that's when you're remaking a franchise. I feel like that's a little bit like that, too, where it's it seems like, OK, you know what? We've got the draft picks lined up. We have uh, we have the coach that in the coaching staff. We've got some of these young pieces. These are the pieces we need, the positions we need to improve on. These are the areas areas we need to attack in the future and we're going to let this season play out and it's only going to help those positions and help those draft that draft stock and help refill these holes 
But then week 12 of that season, when you're actually going through it, all of a sudden you're starting to turn around and say, whose idea was this? <laughs> I'll have to take your word for the working out part. That sounds awful. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody buys salmon and is excited about it. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. Um, but the rest of it, no, you're right. Like the pressure builds on these guys. Like you got to think there's an entire channel dedicated to sports. There's an entire channel dedicated just to the NFL. Um, it's a billion, it's a trillion dollar industry. There, it's a, there's a billion dollars spent just on covering it. Uh, the, the global betting market behind it. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot involved in seeing these teams, all of them, maybe not do well, but go out there and do something. And so we are definitely at this point, like this, the body you find in the park and you're poking it with a stick and you're, Hey, do something. Do something, and they're not going to do anything because th- this team is exactly what it looks like. We were it's it's interesting because here's where it's sort of unfair for the Texans. At the beginning of the year, I felt very alone as I made the case that we have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Like I had guys challenge me on that and say, "Well, maybe bottom five, bottom three. We're not the worst. We are the worst roster in the NFL. There's no doubt about that at this point." We, I was, you know, people were telling me, no, 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 I mean, we're, we, we've got some bright spots. No, we are one of the worst rosters in the NFL. We had guys t- saying forever that, that Bill O'Brien was one of the worst general managers and worst coaches ever, and all these trades were killing us, and everything was awful. And he was stripping the team of any talent and ruining this team's cap situation. Well, now we're on the other side of that, and instead of still continuing that narrative that this team was stripped of its resources, was cap-strapped, was struggling to rebuild its roster talent. People now on this side of it go, well, wait a minute, why aren't we winning? It's not cool. I'm t- I don't want to be 1-9-1. and one. Well, Yeah, nobody wants to be 1-9-1, and one, but if, if Bill O'Brien was awful, if the trades were terrible, if the, if the moves didn't make sense, if the roster is the worst in the NFL, then we're going to be the, the worst team in the NFL. It is what it is, and at least we're not – Winless, like certain worst teams in the NFL have been. So, you know, I'm still mad that we tied the Colts. I still hate that tie. But I do think, you know, we we played teams close in the beginning, and now that the year has worn us down and everyone's tired and banged up and nicked, this is what it's going to look like. And so with, with that in mind, do you start Kyle Allen – for a second week purely because you can sell maybe more interest and say stuff like, well, you know what? We really weren't sure uh, through last week, and so he wasn't getting a lot of the starter reps, but this week it's going to be different because he's going to get a lot of the starting reps. Uh, He's going to be a little better prepared. We're going to be fully behind him this week, and so this week we're expecting a better performance. Even if that stuff isn't true, if you're just engaging your fan base and the people covering it with that angle – is that kind of the automatic, we're just going to go with Kyle Allen, maybe not because the result's different, but because we're going to be keeping people engaged as we try and slog through this season? Oh, I, I'm so many would forget about this Kyle Allen situation. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what... I think the Texan fans want to forget <laughs> about the Kyle Allen situation. I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. If I were the Texans... I, honest to God, would flip a coin and just, I don't know. I, I mean, 
it's not any better. Kyle Allen was, this is the thing that's important to remember. Davis Mills won the starting job from Kyle Allen in the offseason, in training camp, in preseason. So I don't know what we're supposed to be looking for now that makes us go, it's better. We did it. Like, I don't know. I It's change to make people feel better about change, honestly. And, and I understand from the PR perspective that it has to be done. But man, if I was sitting in the room with decision makers as they were doing it, I'd be writing in my notes, this is dumb. And I'd be writing the names of the people who were like, yeah, it's time for Kyle Allen. And I'd be making a mental note that these are not people who know football. With with this whole thing, this disaster a little bit uh, of, of a season, I know that we have talked about the Lovey Smith situation uh, and about people asking for him to be fired. And I feel like we've both kind of been on the same corner of sticking with Lovey. But as we were getting ready for the show, you made you made a comment that made me believe you're you're wavering on your position not, a little not, bit here. I thought we were in the same corner. Not, not court. wavering. I heard for the first time an argument that I think had merit. Um so everyone says I'm a know it all. Everyone says that I just know what I know and I don't need to hear anybody else. This is proof that this isn't true. For the first time, I heard an argument that I consider to be persuasive on why you could fire Lovey Smith. Everyone else is arguing, oh, well, we're losing, and oh, we look bad, and blah, blah, blah. Well, we were going to look bad. John Madden could have coached this team, and we would be 1-9-1. We might be we might be 2-9, two and, two, two and nine, maybe. But, we, I mean, the rest of it still would have been what it is. So I don't believe the rest of it. But I finally heard an argument that at least accurately puts – some blame on Lovey Smith for something that is within his control. And they were saying, okay, Nick Casario's job is to draft players and get them out there and build rosters. And we knew going into this season, the cap's a mess, the roster is bare. We really just are, he's had one and a half drafts and the rookies are contributing. So let's, let's at least leave it at that. For Lovey Smith, his job should be for the rookies to keep getting them better and keep them prepared and motivated every week for football. So the rookies have struggled these last few weeks. Uh, Kenyon green uh, and Petrie in particular have looked fairly bad for a couple of games. Now they bounced back a little bit in the Miami game um, more Petrie than green, but Petrie looked good. And actually I think one of the receivers had a great quote. There's a little bit of a dog in him. Uh, I thought that was a good quote. But the rookies have struggled. They've been really up-down. So it's it's a fair argument to say, let's fire Lovey Smith because he's not getting the rookies ready every week. That would be something that I would at least, if I were having meetings at the end of the year and evaluating, that could be something I could grade him on where I say, hey, I didn't love what I saw from the rookies every week. And that is on you. Now, would I fire him over it? No. But it was, a, it was the first time I heard an argument that I actually think has valid uh, and is, is valid and has merit. Isn't the, the old cliche that the rookies have a rookie wall, right, every year where you kind of see some not – not all the time, but a lot, of, a lot of times you have rookies who kind of hit a little bit of a, a wall in that 
week 12 to to 14 range really when the end of the college football season is starting yeah, to happen absolutely and they're just I think I think the reason people notice it more on a team like the Texans is because the rookies are asked to do so much more and so I think if if somebody came to Lovey Smith with that I think that would be the the rebuttal is hey listen if you're leaning most of your production on guys who have only played to the end of November so far in their career. I, I think that you're going to see some of that drop off here end of November, beginning of December, because they're learning how to be professionals and playing for an entire year is part of learning how to be a professional when your year is uh, now <laughs> what al- almost nearly double the length. It seems uh, for, for these teams in the NFL. And if, you were on a functioning team, then you wouldn't be expecting the what fifty percent of the production that you're uh, expecting from this team out of young guys and rookies. And I, I think the rebuttal would be that you constructed a roster that leans so heavily on rookies that this is a glaring thing, not something that's out of the normal, but something that just naturally happens to your rookie class. But it's noticeable because of how you constructed this team. I don't know if I can be getting graded on it. I, I think that would be the retort. No, for, for sure, and it's not wrong. And that, yeah, I, and also for guys like Petre and, and Stingley and even Green, okay, they passed the first test. The few first few weeks, teams were just like, oh, let's go, let's go challenge these rookies, and they survived those challenges. Now teams are like, okay, these guys know, you know, quote unquote, basic football. Now let's confuse them. Now let's disguise things. Now let's show them things they haven't seen yet. Let's run stunts at them. Let's let's make them, you know, go one-on-one with guys who are the, the biggest and strongest and fastest in the league. So there are times when they're going to fail the rookie year, and they should fail the rookie year sometimes, unless they're just magic, you know? Um, and so I do, I do understand what you're saying because I agree with what you're saying, that absolutely, these guys are going to hit walls. Some of these guys literally play 10 games a year at college for the last three years, and not even that in high school sometimes. So then when they get to this level, all of a sudden there's, you know, they're, there's the toughest games of football are still ahead when teams are all injured but, but fighting mad to try and get to the playoffs. So it was at least a cognizant argument that is something you could that I could agree could be put on Lovey, which is that his job is the rookies. Um, where the rookies goes, he goes. But I do agree that there's there's no reason to fire anybody this year. I, it doesn't do anybody any good. You'll be paying your third head coach in three years if you hire somebody else, and this roster is going to be vastly different next year anyway. You know, in, in the NFL, you turn you turn over a third of your roster. This team will probably turn over two thirds. Probably most of these guys will be gone. So my expectation. Is, is this team will look vastly different next year, and the results next year will probably go a lot more towards fairly grading, you know, the performance of a guy like Lovey Smith. It is right on brand for like sports fans after half a year of a year that was supposed to be a no expectations year, halfway through to be like, well, this doesn't meet my expectations. And it's yeah. like, wait, what? What's <laughs> happening? everyone's just expressing frustration at the fact that we're not playing good football and we're not playing good football, but we weren't, we were 
none of us, neither you nor I, looked at this season and went, this is the year, boys. Um, yeah, they're not supposed right. to be playing so good football. I, I, <laughs> they're playing the exact kind of football I thought they were going to be playing. And when I was sitting here in week two and week three saying, we may be one of the worst teams in the NFL, and people were going, no, no, no. Well, now we don't have a choice but to say, yeah, I, yeah, we are definitely one of the worst teams in the NFL. Let's just just to put this in perspective a little bit, I, uh, the Colts spent years, years drafting top level offensive linemen, top level players in the secondary, top level, and I'm talking about these guys turned into all pros in secondary. In on the offensive line, in the defensive front, they went out and spent draft capital on uh, on receivers. They made sure to keep around their elite receiver, all around this insane quarterback talent in Andrew Luck. And then when you Same lost that piece, Same thing for that quarterback piece, they went from they went from they went from being a Super Bowl contender potentially to barely making the playoffs and then not even making the playoffs. And that's when they had a great roster built around uh would have been Hall of Fame quarterback if he stayed in the game. And now you you apply that to the Texans situation and say, okay, so the Texans, they were not a Super Bowl contender with their all-star quarterback. And then their all-star quarterback got plugged out of a roster that was not close to being built ready to make a run. It was actually a detriment to his performance on the field. You lost that quarterback. Now where do you think the starting point is? If is if you have that Colts team that was supposed to be ready for the Super Bowl, you lose the quarterback and now they're barely keeping their head above water in just being a relevant football team. Where do you think the setback would be for the Texans? That's where you gotta that's where the expectations should be. Well, right and, and not even that, but you can you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who for most of their years are a bad team, uh, and they're consistently drafting in the top five and top ten, and it doesn't change the outcomes for them. So just bringing in good young players doesn't make you good. You have to coach them, and you have to coach them well, and they have to be good young players, and you have to have patience, and that's something the ownership of the Jacksonville Jaguars never seemed to have. And so every third year they were firing a guy. You could see them; it would they would cycle out a coach and a quarterback at basically the same time. So your Blake Bortles would leave, um, and whoever it was before him would be gone. And whoever it was before, every three years they were just turning guys out. You know, uh, the Titans were doing that for a little bit with guys like Jake Locker. Then they got in the weird situation with Marcus Mariota where they were dancing and not dancing, and they couldn't decide is this guy the next thing or not. What do we do here? And they wound up moving on from that. It, it takes – it's important to really use a steadying hand to guide a franchise and have a real plan. Uh, they talk about the way Andy Reid got the job in Philadelphia. is when, they came to, when, they, when he came in to interview, he brought with him a binder from, while he was at Green Bay that he had built that for every position laid out exactly what he wanted from that position – exactly how he would use that position offensively or defensively, exactly what he, the kind of players he would look for in drafts for that. And when he sat down in the meeting, it was obvious 
to everyone involved that this guy has a long-term vision for a franchise and that it's not about speeches and inches and you know Al Pacino and everything else in the in the longest yard or whatever any given Sunday whatever it was called it, it's about this guy understood that it's a leveling hand over the long run that, that it takes to build a winning franchise and the Eagles had a eight nine year run there where they were one of the best franchises in the NFL and then he goes to the Chiefs and he wins a Super Bowl and he appears in another one so I don't know that people they don't think about that when they're reacting to the season in front of them but it's really important to kind of have that hard, steady hand guiding things. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It is. And with all those situations to you that you mentioned, the, the quarterback, like with every team, is the linchpin there. And so when you're trying to rebuild a franchise that wasn't ready to make the most out of an elite quarterback and now you're now reset and looking for that quarterback, it becomes where you have to set yourself up for that. And the Texans have set themselves up well to go and get that quarterback quarterback that they can then mold a roster around and uh it's just it we seem to be forgetting the game here the game should be trying to grab that quarterback drafting maybe a couple of quarterbacks in this next uh, in this upcoming draft and then building this roster around it and to expect anything out of this out of this team that's been really raised to the ground here for this season it's just crazy, and so that's why I, I really don't understand the the Lovey Smith, uh, the Lovey Smith firing talks. Uh, I mean, even to think uh, the the Pep Hamilton talk. Okay, I can get in the door on that as far as maybe a coach if you're laying more b- blame at the at their feet. But even then, it's so hard with the roster and what talent is actually on there to to fairly give these guys uh, an accurate grade on the situation, and also. Do you want to lose a potentially really good head coach before you actually get your guys in there? Yeah. I don't know about that either. I think it would be really – I mean, I'm laughing about it. I think it would be really unfair to fire Pep Hamilton as though he's the reason they they didn't win games, right? Like, you called a bad offense. Did I or did we just average, you know, three three yards on everything no matter what I called? Like, that's not on me when you see – when you've got a quarterback who can't make sideline throws, it really doesn't matter what you call. Um, you know, I mean, when you've got a receiver who is so obviously quit on this team, like Brandon Coates, I, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do with a guy like that, but I know what I want to do with a guy like that, and it's just flat out 
just can them. Is there a way to pay him $18 million? Is there a way to find calls at this point to not pay him his money? Uh, no, I, I, I don't know if you, you can trade him now at this point. And you're right. It's it's tough to lay. No, no, not trade him. I mean, literally, I mean, literally, go four calls so you can invalidate his money. If you remember, you know, Fournette was like a top five pick, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars got mad at him because he his ankle was messed up, and they didn't like how he was rehabbing it. So they went in and they turned all of his guaranteed money and bonus money. They turned it into options at like contractually because of how he was rehabbing. That's what I want to know. Can we go after Brandon Cooks' money? That I I don't know. I you would have to actually look over his contract and see. You know, I imagine it's probably built a little differently than a rookie's contract, and so I don't yeah, have the probably. answers for that. But and the way and the way we poorly, the way we poorly did our deals, he probably has more power than the GM <laughs> on his deal. I I can definitely see that. But you are right that it does seem wherever coach you want to try and lay blame at the feet of. Uh, it does seem hard to really make it stick when a guy like Pep Hamilton can be like, we needed Chris Moore to be like our second guy in a lot of those games. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, like we were running nobodies out there, and, and you're lucky we kept it close for 10 weeks. Like, I, you know what's weird is no one's going to give them credit for the first half of this season. When it's Recency all bias, man. And no one's going to give them – no one's going to give them credit for, you know – uh, the resurgence of Hughes. No one's going to give him credit for we're not last in the league in almost any of these stats. The Broncos still have fewer points than us per game. Um, like, we're, even though we are now solidly three games ahead of every other team in the league for last place after the Steelers win on Monday night, we're still sadly, statistically, way better than we should be for how bad we are no you're not wrong and in a year where there's no expectations i think that's just kind of the stuff you gotta you gotta hang on on hang on to and keep going back to if you're a fan and if you're you're going to be here for for the long haul but speaking of the the season and where we are at in said season it's week 13 that means that they're taking on the Cleveland Browns. We're going to get to that, to Deshaun Watson, all of that stuff. But before we do, Corey, let's hear from some sponsors. It's never a good idea to drink and drive. But what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs. Someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction in a lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases a lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist. Because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asen is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asen Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. Or visit dwilawyerhouston.com. It's time to trade in your masks for face masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered, literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code 
Battle Red Splat. Also, we want to remind everybody to go to the Adventure Begins Stadium, right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, Conroe, Texas, in the Marcel Town Center. Uh, the Adventure Begins is a great place. It's family-friendly. It's well-lit. they got a great, knowledgeable staff. They're friendly. They're fun to be around. Nico and I go there for all of our nerd needs throughout the year. But on the second floor, they also have the Adventure Begins Stadium, where they sell all kinds of awesome sports memorabilia. Uh, they've got signed jerseys. they got all kinds of cool stuff. They've got cards. They've got it all. So what you need to be doing is you need to be going to the Adventure Begins Stadium. If you've got a kid, you're not sure what to get them. Kids are busted open packs of cards now, and they're turning into thousandaires all the time. Make sure you get some packs for your kids. You never know. Might get to start that college fund with some rookie card that you didn't see coming. So get to the 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas. The Adventure Begins Stadium right there in the Marcel Town Center. So here it is. The game that we have had circled on the calendar uh, for the entire year. Dating back to the summer and, and to OTAs and all that good stuff. The Cleveland Browns headed to Houston. This is the week that Deshaun Watson is reinstated. Uh, he was back with the team. He was in practices. And you're expecting him to, to start against the Texans. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere, Corey. Not only because I'm sure that Tex, the Texans fans will have quite the welcome for Deshaun Watson. But also, we had the report uh, from several sources. I saw it on ESPN. Uh, it says that 10 of the women who were accused and then eventually settled with Deshaun Watson on the sexual misconduct allegations uh, are going to be at this game, according uh, to this ESPN report, who cites the attorney for these uh, for these women who made these accusations. Ten of them will be at the game. The atmosphere is going to be wild. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a nuts game. I, before I before I do that, I just have this brain. I, I had the weirdest thought when you were saying that. What if the Browns chicken out on starting him this game? I don't know that they would. Uh, I, I, they probably he's probably just as eager to start as they are to start him because they want to start this era. But I mean, this is literally his first week back to practice out of I mean a year and a half away from football. What if he goes out there? Uh, we're recording late Tuesday night, airing Wednesday. So what if he was out there today to practice? at like just the walkthroughs or whatever. And the coach was like, he looks like he thinks he's on Mars. Like he has no idea where he's at right now. And they're just like, Brissette, give us one more week. How that would be crazy. Frustrating. I've never even thought of that. How frustrating would that be? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you could possibly expect from him. So if I'm the coaching staff of Cleveland, I, I guarantee you the front office has already had a meeting with the coaches. Like, all right, guys, we're ready to see John. Like this was the guy we bet the, the farm on as soon as, as as soon as it could possibly happen, let's get him out there. The coaches could probably buy one week. They could probably be like, "Hey, man, he's not ready yet. Like, let's let's get him up to full speed before we do this." Um, but he has been able to be in meetings. He has been around the facility. He's able to train during the off season. So I don't know how high the likelihood is that this would happen. But if I were a, there's got to be a ten to fifteen percent chance that they don't put him out there right now. Now, as we get closer to game day, we'll know more. But this instant, there's probably a 10 to 15% chance they don't put him out there. I guess if you're the coaching staff, the thinking would probably be that if there's a game that you want a guy who hasn't played in a long time to start in, it's against the Texans. Oh, when, with the warm-up? Well, not even 
it's just that they'll be able to lean so heavily on a really good running game in Nick Chubb yeah. that anytime like yep. things get a little shaky or it seems like he needs to like ease in on in the first the whole first quarter you could really go to Chubb and it's this is one of those games where it's not really going to hurt you to have a pretty simple or pretty identifiable game plan because the Texans are not going to yeah. be able to stop the run uh, even if they know it's coming. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, now that you say that, no, there's no way they don't put them out there. They're four and seven. They they If they win six in a row, they're not out of it. Um, right, because you can go 10 and seven now, 17 games, 18 yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so 10 and 7, maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, this is when the, this is about the time of year last year that the Bengals started popping off. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. And and Tampa was 4 and 4 before they won 7 or 8 in a row, whatever it wound up being that got them into the playoffs and all that. So, yeah, 4 and 7, if don't lose again, they could probably be a wild card team or at least be in the, at least be, Week seventeen in a conversation for it, right? So, yeah, I yeah, there's really no way you don't put them out there. We're so bad now. There's so much pressure on the situation that maybe you're worried about them mentally, but you just go, you know what? Like the Texans are so bad. If this guy throws three picks, we're still gonna walk out of there with a win. So, yeah, I yeah yeah. I do wonder. This is the so this is like the trappiest game for Cleveland, right? Of all trappy games. Even however bad the Texans are. Oh yeah. This is the most Well, I don't know. I don't know that you would call it a trap game because I promise you Deshaun at least has had this game circled and as a franchise they've had this moment circled because they want to see what they're getting out of him. I think like a trap game is one that sneaks up on you. This is a week that they've had circled since the start of the season because this is the week they get to see the guy that they gave three first round draft picks up for and $250 million too. So I think they, I think they've had this date circled and arranged this contract in such a way that nothing bad would ever happen to them. You know what? That that's fair. But even if it's not a trap game, so it's not a trap game, but I think the fan base is going to be riled up for this game. I think there's going to be a lot of emotion, a lot of maybe anger or frustration that's built up. And now it's going to be directed at, this player oh, and at this team yeah. coming in. You've got these uh, women who, who level the allegations going to be coming in. I'm sure that they are – it's going to be at least mentioned. It would be even weirder if it's not mentioned at all or if it's just glossed over entirely. Uh, this is going to be it, a crazy – Let me ask you this. Is it a little weird that we know they're going to the game? I just thought about this. So the, most of them, even though their names were publicly identified in the lawsuits, that's per the judge. That was a correct ruling on what the law says there. We still don't publicize them, like as a media. We still don't publicize any of them who don't specifically come forward and give their name in interviews. Is it a little weird that, that the media knows that 10 of them are going? Because that's that's a story that someone wanted the media to report on. Well, definitely. I mean, the the attorney for them reached out. They wanted it to be known. I think in uh, I was seeing one report on, I think it was Yahoo, a writer was making the argument that it's a, a way of kind of uh, for somebody, for people who are in an abusive uh, situation for them to take power back 
uh, from... Is, is it? I feel like this is like Tony Busby just getting his name out there, but also kind of trying to get into Sean Watson's head a little bit. This this reminds me very much, and not go to the politics side of it, but when Donald Trump brought the Clinton accusers to the Hillary Clinton debate. Like, there was a very specific reason he did that, and it was it was to to put that story front and center and also to remind everybody that it happened and also to kind of rub it in Hillary's face. This feels exactly the same. A little bit. Are we the bad guys here? I I have no idea what the motivation is behind it, but I think that it will all lend itself to this really weird atmosphere, which do we know can the Texans – I'm not saying the Texans could take advantage of this atmosphere and <laughs> ride it and win, right? Nobody's uh, – let's not get carried away. No, but I, I want them. I want them to, but I don't. I don't believe it will happen. No, exactly. But could they ride this atmosphere and make it an interesting, maybe get it a close game? Do you think they're capable of that? It feels kind of like the the train is a little off the rails at the moment after what three really tough losses in a row. The last few being really really tough losses. You have Hughes kicking stuff over on the sideline. You have Brandon <laughs> Cooks ask, you know, when were you out of this game in the press conference? And he goes, when, were you, when we left the locker room. It just seems like a team that instead of grabbing hold of the reins of this crazy moment, it, they might just let them pass it by. Oh, I can totally see them not even not even taking a swing at it. Yeah. Going out there and just acting like this is the same the same game as the last couple of weeks. Um, I I don't know. I almost feel like that says something good about their character. I don't I don't know. This is such a complicated, weird thing. Now, just as we've gotten into it, my feelings have changed like three times because I desperately want to beat Deshaun Watson. I desperately want to beat the Browns because I think it was so incredibly. I think what he did to the team because he asked out before all the stuff came up. He signed the extension and then nine months later didn't want to play for us anymore. And I think that 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 messed us up so bad. And that's what started the Bill O'Brien leaving. That's what started everything else. Say what you want about Bill O'Brien, but it definitely started our instability losing all these people in the last couple of years like we have. And it kind of all started with Deshaun Watson. Um, I... I, I really want to beat him for those reasons. I think the story was awful. I think the way he handled it was awful. You always hear these stories where, you know, some, it spirals out of control and the athlete could have stopped, stopped it at the very beginning with the small settlement. There was an opportunity for Deshaun Watson at the very beginning to settle with one accuser, and I think the number was a hundred grand. And this kind of all never would have even come up and come out. And instead, he said no, and Tony Busby went to war, and, and in a lot of ways, he won. Uh, it cost Deshaun Watson a lot more money and a lot of embarrassment. It embarrassed the teams and embarrassed the league. They also got no, another payday by suing the, the team. Uh, I mean, it just turned into a huge, huge, huge mess, all because Deshaun Watson didn't want to do, in the very beginning, what would have been the most tactical thing to do. Right or wrong, I don't know, but that would have been the most tactical thing to do. And... I just want to beat him because I feel like there's so much ego coming out of his camp, like his situation, that I just really think it would be great for the Texans to put one on the board. Plus, we've been saving up all these losses. We've got some 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 spread now between us and the ne- the second place team. We could we could win one. Yeah, 
I just don't know if because for for better or worse, there are going to be a lot of emotions and a lot of weird energy in that stadium. It doesn't seem like this is the team that can grab that by the horns and take advantage of it, though, and, and use that to their to to keep this game tight. Maybe earlier in the season, I think that they could have. I don't know if this team could yeah. do that now. I don't know if they have it in them. Yeah, I agree. With you. I think if this was a Week 5 matchup, we probably could have won it, maybe. But now I think this team is just so beat up and so used to losing and just so down. Um, and, and just it's become more and more and more obvious how outmatched we are that it gets harder and harder and harder to cover that up with game planning. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like it's This thing is taking so many turns, even as we talk about it. Like I genuinely, I think we're kind of the bad guy. Not us personally. The Texans. I think the Texans are kind of a bad guy for getting behind, like who arranged for these girls to be there and who... Like we know the cameras aren't going to show them during the game, so why are we? Why do we know already yeah, here no, Tuesday, Wednesday I mean, that they're going to be there? Like, this whole thing just kind of. Be, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it at all. Maybe. I, listen, they're going to spin it that there's a positive reason for it. Tony Busby's not dumb. I don't like the guy. He's a media, you know, sponge. But he is going to spin it in such a way that this is for the victims, or this is for people who don't have the ability, and everyone should, and rah, rah, rah. Good, good, good. But really, what does he do? Like, what does he really do? He could he could do that. I mean, he already did that. They won in court, or, you know, they, they won in civil court. They, they won in the pocketbook. Yeah, I, I, they I won, like, they I, already I, won you this want it not to be a so many ways. Nasty reason. I don't think they uh, need to do this. And, but and I, hope that, I, I hope think that they're doing it. That. I hope that it's not... People trying to take advantage of of these women or trying to take advantage of this situation right. in some weird nasty but way. But it kind of seems that's like hope, it is. Right? That's the hope is that it's not that. Right. But it seems like it is. It, 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 it kind of feels like it is. As we started talking about it, I kind of realized, like, there's not a good like. There's not a good reason for the Texans to. First of all, a lot of these women also sued the Texans. So like, I don't understand. Like, ah, ah, like what? What is the and good I, position I, for this? What is the right? Like, I think no, I no. Throw it just that. feels wrong all around. This could be a game that gets away from them too. <laughs> yeah, which is of of the heavy topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This could this could really easily be a game like, where we oh, lose by lots. This could also just it, they could also just lay lay over and let Deshaun Watson look really good, which is also uh, a bummer. <laughs> I, it would have been a better game, I think, if they had played in Week Four. Yeah, probably before we knew how bad we were. I think that's part of it. I think the team has just been like, no, like it doesn't matter what we do because we're so bad that we we understand now that we're bad. You know, every NFL team starts the season at 0-0 and says, this is our year. Let's go get them. And they have to think that way because this is such a brutal and hard game to play in. Losing really does take it out of you. And now they've turned this corner where now it's just kind of obvious that no matter what they do or how hard they try, this year this team isn't built to finish these games. So... Yeah, it gets harder and harder to stay in them. It gets harder and harder to fight on those third downs in the fourth quarter. 
Then it starts becoming harder and harder to find on those third downs in the third quarter. Then it starts becoming harder and harder to cover your guy in the second quarter. Then all of a sudden, it's over when you leave the locker room, Mr. Brandon Cooks. And part of that is the attitude, but, I mean, part of it is also, yeah, I mean, it's hard It's hard not to recognize. You all, coaches always say be a goldfish, right? Like, oh, forget about it, just move on to the next thing. Don't worry. You say it every time a quarterback throws an interception. Hey, man, shake it off, look at the play, and then move on. Blah, blah, blah. Or sometimes they burn the tape. We're never going to watch the tape on this game. Let's just move on. But the truth is, it's it's not that easy. Nico, are you showing up to this game fiery, or are you just not going? Uh, I'm definitely showing up uh, with all the passion of, I want to win this. I want to win this, at least this one. Come on, this one, please. We have to have faith because, if anything, just for like a personal reason, I mean, like I feel like this is, this has been the living. He's the living nightmare of the Houston Texans organization for the past like two years. We've been talking about this story even on our own uh, on our other shows for forever since since the news broke. He hasn't played football in two years, and that's the only prayer yeah, we have. No, yeah, he's not wrong. Like this story has kind of dominated everything. Uh, at least once they play the game, it'll kind of all be over. For us, at least. Hopefully, for the, t- for the Texans and the Texans fans, hopefully it can be over a- after this game. And you know what? Hopefully it's pretty much over for this show, because now that we've kind of detoxed from that, we can just go into later this week and talk about the X's and O's matchup stuff. The good old between the gridiron football stuff that we love to talk about, but I'm glad that we were able to address it before the game, fellas. Yeah, you've kind of been holding us back on this. You didn't want to get into this too early, and I think that was smart. But uh, now that we're here, you know, we might as well just get it all out on the table, right? So, like, I, I'm, ex- I'm excited to play him, and I hope we win. I want to win. I don't think it's likely, but I, I do think. It is important to at least get out there and compete with against them on the field and just see what it all looks like. They don't have to win. They just have to keep it close. That's the mantra for the rest of the season. We don't have to win. You just got to keep it okay, close. Okay, are we the bad guys if we hurt them? I'm not saying on purpose, but, like, like he goes out there and then, uh, you know, uh, rolls an ankle weird and, it, like, it breaks. And so he misses the rest of the season. There's no injury, unless it's a non-contact injury, there's no injury that'll happen to Watson this game that won't look planned. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I'm okay with that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Well, there you have it. That's the word from my co-host, Corey (laughs) DLG. I don't like to root... I'm not rooting for him to get hurt, but if he did, it'd be one of those times where I just went, I, you know what, I... Most of the time, I feel for the player, because I understand what they're putting on the line, but I honestly... Like, it's all guaranteed for him. Like, I don't know. There's nothing for him to lose. Like, I I don't care. I guess. I guess. Man, this has been That's weird. Fair. This has been a cathartic episode. <laughs> we got it. We, we did the detox. We got it all of our system. Now we're just going to focus on X's and O's next show. That's Corey, my co-host, Corey DLG. Producer Nico for myself, Colt Molesky. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Battle Red Radio.